0: Thank you for leading us into worship this morning. Uh, I feel like we can just have the benediction now and go home. Y'all okay with that? Not. Got some. What's that? We won't cheat you out. I appreciate it. I appreciate. I checked the time. Um, Patty told me something last night. She said that the church gave the pastor a watch for Christmas. Why do you reckon he did that? I don't know. Okay. I got a watch. Let's let's get into God's Word this morning. I'm excited about being in God's house. It's Christmas Day. Day's a special day. Uh, coming to, driving over this morning, as Patty I said, well, what kind of turnout do you think we'll have today? I said that on uh, Memorial Day. I said it on Fourth of July. I said it on Labor Day. And still, you guys turn out it's amazing that we come to God's house for a reason. I mean, it's Christmas Day. A lot's going on today. A lot of things hustling. A lot of movement, moving parts. But you come into God's house this morning, and certainly we want to get into God's word this morning. I sent you two emails this week, and last two weeks. You've noticed that you got two emails. You got one early in the week. You got one late in the week, and and you said he's bombarding us now, right? No, I just wanted you to get into it this morning. Then we're going to get into the to the word this morning, the Christmas story, Luke two. Verses 1 through 20, going to be of several several of scripture in Luke. Luke is the one who shares with us the Christmas story, about, tells us about the birth of Jesus Christ. We're going to get into that this morning. We're going to see what Luke has to say about it. Last week we talked about Luke. I shared with you about Dr. Luke, about how he was not an eyewitness to the accounts of Jesus Christ, but he recorded things so that they would be intact. So that we would be able to hear, see them, and read them, and know about them for years to come; that generations would be able to see and understand what was going on. This morning, the, the title of the message is "God's Gift of Love." Now you know. Over this last year, every sermon that I have preached, everything that I have said to you has related to Jesus Christ. The scriptures point to Jesus. Everything that we look at in Old Testament and New Testament points to Jesus Christ. We have talked about unconditional love. We've talked about agape love. How God loved us. How much he loved us. And it all comes together in the Christmas story. This is all part of it. Today is a special day. Every day that we're able to come into God's house to worship... Is a special day. Each and every day is a special day, but today is a ses- essentially a special day. When we come into God's house, our focus is always on Jesus. It's always on the unconditional love that God has for us. It's always on trying to grow closer to Him. It's always on the fact that we want to understand what He wants to tell us. We want to understand the scriptures as they mean and what they mean, and we want to be able to apply them to our lives. Today is a special day. We want to honor God. We want to give Him worship. We want to give Him praise because he's the only one who deserves it, and today is his birthday. Just like Brother uh, Wesley said, today's the birthday of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. We don't know that December 25th was the birthday of Jesus Christ, but Scripture and history points to us uh, to an event in time that took place. We know roughly the time that it took place. It doesn't matter whether it was the 24th or the 25th or the 26th. We set aside a day that we call the birthday of Jesus, that we represent, that we honor him today. Today is a special day because our passage of Scripture this morning specifically talks about the arrival of Jesus Christ. It talks about the arrival of God through His Son, through the birth of a, from a virgin of His Son when God come to this earth for a specific purpose through Jesus Christ. That's what our passage is going to talk to us about this morning. We've talked for the past several weeks and we've studied the scripture about the events that took place coming up to the Christmas story. The Christmas story didn't just start with the birth of Jesus. It started hundreds of years before when the prophets were talking about it. When God was instilling in the prophets minds to share with people about the coming of the Messiah. All the parts, all the different Parts of the Christmas story. We've looked at the Old Testament prophecies that took place hundreds of years before they actually took place. We have examined all the moving parts. Have you been with us on Sunday nights, on Wednesday nights, and even on Sunday mornings? We've looked at all the different parts of the nativity, all the different moving parts, all the things that God has orchestrated, the way he has made it all come together so that it would come to the climax of the birth of Jesus Christ in order so that we would see an arrival of Jesus Christ, in order that we would see a unique birth of an individual human being into this planet that was the God come from the God the Father. Now, let me tell you something. The birth of Jesus Christ is completely different than any birth you've ever heard of. It's completely different than anything you've been affiliated with. You moms who've had children, you know this isn't the way. None of you had babies in a manger. None of you had babies outside. Man, back in the olden days, what was the two things that people had to have to have have a birth? What was it? Towels and what? Go boil me some water and get me some towels. That's all it took to have a child back in the old days, right? Y'all know what the old days are? I never watched those things. It takes more than towels and boiling water, okay? God went to great lengths and detail for the arrival of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and he went to great lengths and details because of how much he loves you and how much he loved me. He didn't spare any cost or any expense. He went to great details. Now this morning we're going to open up God's word. ...to the Gospel of Luke. And Luke's the one that records the birth of Jesus. And see how Luke records the story about the birth of Jesus Christ. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We'll read through 20. It says in Luke Luke 2, starting in verse 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus... ...that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth... This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him and them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, And all who heard and wondered, all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, listen up, glorified and praising God for all they had seen and all they had heard, just as it had been told to them. Pray with me, please. Father God, I come before you this morning. God, God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. Father, I ask you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. God, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross. God, I ask that you allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning... Our passage this morning reveals the climax of the Christmas story. This is where it all comes together. This is the climax of what we've been talking about for weeks. It's the climax of what God has been preparing for, for us all, all these weeks coming into this time of the birth of Jesus Christ. And this four, 20 verses of Scripture... I want to divide it into four groups. If you take notes, I want to divide it into four groups. There's four different things that we're going to talk about this morning. The four points this morning. And, and because it's Christmas Day, I'm giving you four points instead of three, okay? That means we'll be here just a little bit longer. I'll make it briefer. But I, there's four points. We want to talk about the journey first. We want to talk about the journey, the things that took place to get to the point of the birth of Jesus Christ. We want to talk about the arrival, which is uh, the arrival of Jesus Christ. We want to talk about the uh, announcement that took place because it's so important. And then we want to talk about something that's super important, and that is the response to the announcements. These are something that you want to apply this to your life. When you think about it, we're all on a journey. There's an arrival of Jesus Christ. There's an announcement that we can either accept Him or not accept Him in there's a response that we either do or we don't but all this portrays into the the Christmas story so let's open up with the journey Luke opens up chapter 2 of his gospel by giving us a glimpse of a person on this planet who thought he was in charge a person on this planet who was calling the shots a person who was controlling people by fear controlling people by force telling people to do things that he wanted them to do someone who thought he was in charge with Caesar Augustus someone who made people do what he wanted him to do by fear. We might know... We might not know the exact day and time Jesus was born, but we know that he was born in this particular time in history. But Caesar Augustus, and that's what it's talking about. When Caesar was, was in charge, that's the time when Jesus arrived on this planet. That's what the, the Scripture shows us. But Caesar thought he was in charge of everything. He controlled everything. He sent out a decree. That's what the Bible says. We know that God will use people for his mission that allow him to be used. We know that if you let God use you, he'll use you for his purpose. He'll use you for his plan. He doesn't use you in a negative way. Everything he does is for positive. It's for our own good. It's for part of his mission and his plan. And he will use people who allow them to be used. And that's what we're doing today. But let me tell you something. God will use people who have no clue that they're being used by him. Amen. He used Caesar Augustus in this exact way. God will use people who have no clue that they're being used by him because he has a purpose and he has a plan and all things were created by him and he moves them all in the way that he wants them to move. Caesar Augustus was simply a man that God used as part of his plan. He was strictly a tool that God used to make things happen the way he wanted them to happen because a lot of moving parts have to take place for this baby to be born in a stable Caesar Augustus signed a tax bill that required the Jewish male citizens to return to the city of their father. It's a tax bill. The Bible says it was a a decree. It's simply... More taxes on the Jewish people. He wanted to tax more people. He wanted more money for himself. He lived a lavish lifestyle. He wanted more money for his army. He wanted more control. He wanted to control the entire world, not just a part of his continent. He wanted to be in charge of every single thing. He used, God used Caesar to move Mary and Joseph 80 to 90 miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem at a specific time in history. Amen? He used them to move them. Now, let me just look at some things this morning. We know that Gabriel had already visited Mary. We know that she heard him. She knew that the angel of the Lord stood in front of her, and she knew what was taking place. She knew that God sent him. He spoke with authority. We know the same thing that Gabriel spoke to Joseph. He spoke with authority. They had heard him. They knew what was taking place. They had been placed in a difficult situation, but yet they knew that God was in control. Now, you look at it this way. I can promise you, And this is Carrie speaking. That if Gabriel had to come back to Mary and Joseph and he just said, God wants y'all to go to Bethlehem, they would have packed up their bags, they would have saddled up that donkey, and they'd have started headed out to Bethlehem. They would have done exactly what God had asked them to do. But the thing is, there had to be a lot of other moving parts. They had a lot of other things that had to be taken place to go along with this. Look at the factors that took place and aligned for this journey. Bethlehem needed to be crowded. There needed to be a lot of people. There needed to be a lot of issues going on. There needed to be a lot of people packing into these inns and staying in Bethlehem because it needed to be a a humble arrival for the Son of God. God planned not for Jesus Christ to be born in a palace, not to be born in royalty, but to be born in a humble environment. And there's a specific reason that he wanted that to take place. There would be an overwhelming amount of people who would come to the streets and the cities that stay in all the available rooms. God had a plan that his son would be born in a humble environment. He would be born without any of the worldly elements, without any of the washcloths, without any of the warm water, without any of the commodities of having a a birthing center, without any kind of midwife, without any kind of doctor. He was going to be born strictly by the elements of the world. God was in complete control of this situation. Amen? And God's in control of everything. He was in control of this from the beginning, from hundreds of years before to the time it actually takes place. That's part of the journal. Let's look at the arrival. Throughout the Bible, God has made some distinct promises about the Savior. When we look at history, when we look at God's Word, there's some distinct things that God says about the arrival of His Son. The Bible says He would be a, a human being and not an angel, that He would have flesh and blood, that He would have feelings, that He would have emotions. He would be a human. He would be born as a man. He would born as a, a baby, an infant baby, would grow into a man, but he would have the same feelings and the same emotions that each of us had. He would not be an angel. He would be a Jew and not a Gentile. Even though he'd come for the Jews and the Gentiles, he would be born as a Jew. It's distinct how he was going to enter this world. He would be of the tribe of Judah. He would be from the lineage and the family of David. He would be born of a virgin, and he would be and born in Bethlehem, which is the city of David. Amen. All of these events occur just as God promised. Every single detail from Gabriel speaking to Zacharias in the temple, all the way up to Jesus Christ laying in a wooden, worn out feed trawl, was all lined up by the Almighty God. Isn't it amazing how when God organizes things and arranges things, they always work out perfectly? Amen. Man, some people are really good arrangers. Some people are good motivators. Some people are good orchestrators and on organized things. But when God is involved, when we let God take control, and He's involved, it always turns out perfectly. This scene in the manger of Bethlehem, is the place where Jesus was born, isn't very impressive. The Son of God arrived in a world an area that, where they kept animals. And, Brother Myron, we've talked about that. You know what stables look like. You know where mangers look like. You know what happens when animals get locked up inside of a, a, a stall, what, what they do in there? You all know? They don't just eat in there. They do other stuff in there too, don't they, Myron? Yes sir. yes, sir. I mean, some animals, you know, have courtesy to go outside, but some of them don't. Some of them don't really care. And that's what happens when you think about this manger scene. When you get to your mindset of what's taking place in this manger, you're not just seeing a bunch of animals standing around watching Jesus be born. You're thinking, boy, this place smells bad. Amen? It's not a pleasant thing, okay? Can you imagine this humble environment, what took place? By coming into this world in such a humble circumstance, Jesus made himself available to anyone who wished to come to know him. Man, that's the reason he came in a certain situation because he came as the lowly. He came as part of the lowly. He came as humble. He was not above anybody when he arrived on this planet. He came as an infant child that that needed the help of his mother, that needed the protection of the father, the earthly father. All right? He came in a humble environment. Jesus made himself available to anyone, and anyone can have access to him. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this. Listen to that. 2 Corinthians. 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Man, Jesus Christ, the arrival of Jesus in a humble environment probably was not what the majority of these people wanted. Man, these people were were oppressed. They were beat down. The Roman government had taxed them, and they they were just looking for help. Man, God had been silent for 400 plus years and they just this was not the way they looked for the Messiah to come they were they were taxed beyond what they could stand but the most of the world when you look at the most of the world Caesar Augustus was God When you think about the word Augustus, that wasn't his name. That was a title. He chose that title because that has some religious implications that he wanted to deify himself, that he wanted people to think he was God, that he was above everything else. He had put himself up on a pedestal above all people and above all situations. He placed himself above every single thing. That was on this planet. Let me tell you something. Life revolved around the Roman Empire. During this particular time. The Jewish people were struggling for the most part. And Jewish people's dream of the Messiah. Was almost non-existent. This dream was non-existent to a lot of people except for the minority of people who actually studied and believed the prophecies and studied the prophecies of the Old Testament and knew that someday the Messiah was going to come and relieve them, but they had no way of knowing how he was going to get here. They didn't know how he was going to overthrow the Roman government. They knew at some point we're going to be free from this threshold and from this grip that Caesar has on each of us. While the majority of the world was sleeping when you think about it, he came at night. The majority of the world is sleeping, except for a handful of shepherds who are watching over their sheep. Jesus Christ entered into the, this world. God the Father stepped out of heaven and came into this world as an infant child. The Bible states that the first announcement of the birth of Messiah was given to by the angel Lord to some lowly shepherds. When you think about it, God came for the lowly. When you look back at Mary's life, she's considered to be lowly. She's considered to be poor. Her family was poor. God came for the lowly. And the first announcement that came about the birth of Jesus Christ came to some lowly shepherds, not to the royalty. It came to lowly shepherds at night out in the fields tending their flock. The news about Jesus' birth was first given to people that you would least expect to get that information. Because shepherds didn't have a lot of importance In this particular day and time. When you think about it. And shepherds become something that's super important. Because Jesus Christ signifies himself as a shepherd. But in this particular time in the first century. Nobody considered shepherds to have much value. They didn't have a whole lot of value. They were low on the, on the totem pole when it came to, to jobs, when it came to things that, that were of importance. Shepherds were essentially an outcast in Israel. Their work not only kept them ceremonially unclean, they had to stay out into the fields. They couldn't come into the temple. Therefore, it made them unclean. Nobody considered shepherds to be important, but the first, they were the first ones to know about the birth of Jesus Christ. You'll follow me? You taking notes? You got them all memorized? I know you do. Shepherds were required to take care of their flocks outside the gates. Let me give you some information about shepherds. The only reason they had any significant society is the fact that they were taking care of what kind of lambs? The sacrificial lambs, the important lambs, the ones that were for the sacrifices in the temple. Being a work of a shepherd was very difficult. They kept, had to keep their sheep together. Sheep are not necessarily smart people. Whoops. I said that a little premature, didn't I? Sheep are not necessarily smart animals, but God refers to us as his sheep. Now, I'm not saying that you're not smart people, okay? That's a little bit different, but let's look into the word and see what it says. Sheep are not necessarily smart animals. Sheep tend to wander away. They have a difficult time identifying danger. Jesus told Peter, feed my what? Feed my sheep. Essentially, he's saying, Hey, Peter, take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Encourage my sheep. Bring my sheep along. Protect my sheep. These are all the things that he's talking about. I need you to make sure that they're okay because at some point, I'm going to be their shepherd. Shepherds had to fend off predators such as wolves, bears, and lions. I May mean, you think about it today. Shepherds, our shepherd has to take care of us, he's got to fend off satan he's got to fend off all the elements that are attacking us we're his sheep and we're always wondering what's going to get us get us from the side what's coming at us this is the reason that shepherds would be awake all night long most likely they took turns sleeping they had to sleep in shifts they couldn't all take a nap at the same time because they had to keep watch on the sheep 24 7 because the sheep could not take care of themselves Always having someone on guard is what the shepherds had to do in case something happened or threatened the safety of their flock. You put us in that same position by including shepherds in the Christmas story. God is reminding us that his kingdom is not just for certain people. It's for all people. That's what shepherds are involved in. His kingdom is made up all classes, all types of people. All society issues, all people of different societies come into God's kingdom. By including the shepherds in the Christmas story, this also tells us a little bit about what kind of Messiah Jesus would be. God does not only call the rich and noble, but he calls the poor and the lowly. He called Mary and Joseph to be the earthly parents of Jesus. The Messiah came as both the good shepherd and the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God sacrificed for the sins of the world. Let's look at something that's important. I'm going to wrap it up with this. This is the response. This is what happens when you hear the word of God. This is what happens when God calls something on your life. When he directs you to do something, it's always about the response. Other than hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, the most important thing you can do through the form of obedience is respond to what God is calling you to do. Amen? We know the, the response that Mary and Joseph gave that God placed on each of their lives was a difficult difficult decision. We know that the response that they had was very difficult. Mary had a difficult scenario in front of her because she was not married. She'd never been with a man but she was now going to be pregnant. She's in a difficult situation. Joseph was in a difficult situation because he was betrothed to Mary but yet it was not his child. They know, we know how they responded. They responded with obedience. We know how the, the angels and the, responded when they announced the birth of Jesus Christ. We know how the, the multitude of angels came together and what their response was we also know the response that the shepherds made as they heard the news of jesus christ they made two responses one they said let's go see this thing that we've been told about but more important than that was the way they responded when they left the way they've come together each of these occasions these individuals responded with rejoicing amen and they rejoice. That Joy is what Jesus Christ is all about. We rejoice in him. We rejoice in what he's done for us. We rejoice in his birth. The Bible says that the shepherds left the scene in the manger. Listen to this. Praising God for all they had seen and all they had heard. Let me ask you something, church. Do you rejoice and do you leave praising God for all you've seen and all you've heard about the Christmas story? And all the miracles that you have seen in your lifetime. All the things that God has done for you. The way God has blessed you. The blessings that he's given us. The, in his word, what we've seen and what we've heard. Do you praise him? And do you rejoice in every single thing that he's done through his son, Jesus Christ? That was a tough question, wasn't it? The Christmas story is such a different story. Let me just break some things down for you. and I'm almost done. The Christmas story is a different story. That you could ever imagine. It's a story about the one holy, omnipotent, omnipresent God. Who came to us when we couldn't possibly get to him. Man, we couldn't possibly get to him. We were circling the drain, so to speak. And God came to us. It's a story of the one holy person. Jesus Christ who came to this earth in human flesh. John 1.14 says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth how he, this it's a story of how he walked in our shoes and he became a servant for us, how he felt our pain, how he he overcome the temptations that we were going to deal with. It's a story of how the Holy Spirit lives inside of our lives when we invite Jesus Christ to be part of our life, when we make him the Lord of our life, how the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and, and overtakes us and leads us and comforts us and guides us. It's a story about how God who came down, who climbed down the ladder that we couldn't get up. And you think about this. It's a radical, unique, and hard-to-believe story, isn't it? Isn't this Christmas story hard to believe? How a a, a person could be born, a human being could be born from a virgin? It's a hard-to-believe story. It's a story about how God came himself, not another prophet He didn't send another earthly king. It wasn't another prophet. It wasn't a religious leader. It was God himself coming to us through his son, Jesus Christ. It was God himself who came to visit us, and he came as an infant baby. Not as a king on a throne, but an infant in a manger. Not as with subjects bowing down before him, but he came with the smell of animals all around him. Born not of the powerful and elite, but to a teenage mother who had not been with a man. You follow me? It was God Almighty, born a perfect, not powerful, but but, but perfect. It's a story so incredible that you wonder who could have made this story up. It's an incredible story. Who could have made this story up? And that's the point of this story. You can't make this story up. You can't make this story up. The God of the Bible wrote the Christmas story all across eternity. He wrote this story before time even began. He wrote it all across eternity, and we get to be part of it. Now, let's, let's bring it home. Just like the shepherds kneeled before the baby in the manger, just like they came and they kneeled before the baby, just like the wise men come at some point later and kneel before the Christ child. Man, we get to do the same thing. We can kneel today before the Savior of the world. Let me tell you something, church. Today is a special day. It's a day that we get to reflect on the overwhelming amount of love that God has for his people. And God loves us so much. He loves us so much with unconditional love that he sent his son to die for us. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the greatest passive scripture in the Bible. John three sixteen, Ephesians 2, 8 says, By grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. All part of the Christmas story. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. But we needed a Savior. We had to have something intervene for us. We needed a Savior. Romans 3, 23 says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We're born from sinful nature. Thanks, thanks to Satan interfering with God's perfect plan. With Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, sin entered into this world. We're all born with that sinful nature, and sin creates a separation between us and God. <clears throat> but God wasn't going to let us go. Man, God—the Christmas story is the reason for this this whole scenario. God sent His Son to be to be for us a Savior, to provide salvation for each of us, to end up going to a rugged cross for you and I and provide eternal life. Romans ten thirteen says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever doesn't leave anyone out, I tell you that every week because it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It says in the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, when our time is over and our time is so short, our time on this planet is short, and this we were not created for this world. We were created for the next world. We were created to spend eternity with God in heaven. And, and, and let me tell you something. The choices that we make on this planet... Determine where we spend eternity. We'll either spend eternity with God in heaven or we'll be, spend eternity separated from him in hell. That is the only two choices. Maybe today you want to make sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with the Father. Romans ten nine says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. God didn't make it complicated. He, did, he also made it important, but he didn't make it complicated. It's a change. It's a repentance issue. There can't be, uh, can't be a true conversion without repentance. There can't be true conversion without change. But God said... If you ask me into your life, you ask me to be the Lord of your life, I am just and I'll come in. It's just that simple. All you got to do is, is, is understand that you, we're a sinner. We're all sinners. But you got to invite him into your heart. you got to make him the Lord of your life. And when you do that, he's just. He'll come in. He'll live inside your heart. He'll change you. He'll touch you. He'll make your life completely different. And you'll be changed radically like never before. Amen. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you don't know this Jesus Christ that I'm talking about, I encourage you to come down and let's talk about him. I'd love to share more with you. Our deacons would love to pray with you. I'll pray with you, whatever the issue. Whatever you have a need, if the altar is open, if you have a, a prayer need, if you have a praise, you want to lay it at the foot of the cross, you bring it to the, to the, to the altar this morning, and certainly it's open for you. We'll pray with you. Our deacons will pray with you. Whatever you need, whether you want to join this church, want to be part of the fellowship of this church, or you just want to praise God for what he He's done for you. This altar is open for you. Whatever decisions you need to make, this is your time set aside for you. Father God, I come before you with a humble heart. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for how special this day is, and the special the fact that it is the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus Christ. God, where you stepped out of heaven and came onto this earth, God, for us, for each of us. And Father, I pray and I thank you for that. And God, I pray and ask if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, God, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, I pray for others in our congregation. God, I pray for those that have lost loved ones this year. God, it's first Christmas we're dealing with, with the loss of a family member. God, I just pray that you would intervene in that situation and you would provide an overwhelming comfort that like never before god to know that 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 our our friends and our loved ones are with you god we can praise you for that father in our time of invitation i just pray and i ask you bless god i should guide us and you lead us these things i ask in your son's precious and holy name amen